0: Welcome to the Thinking Practitioner podcast,
1: a podcast where we dig into the fascinating issues, conditions and quandaries in the massage and manual therapy world today.
0: I'm Whitney Lowe and I'm Teluca. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Thinking, Thinking Practitioner. Practitioner. Welcome to the Thinking Practitioner where Books of Discovery has been a part of massage therapy education for over 20 years. Thousands of schools around the world teach with their textbooks, e-textbooks and digital resources. Books of Discovery likes to say, learning adventures start here, and they see that same spirit here on the Thinking Practitioner podcast, and are proud to sponsor our work, knowing we share the mission to bring the massage and bodywork community enlivening content that advances our profession. So be sure to check out their collection of e-textbooks and digital learning resources for pathology, kinesiology, anatomy, and physiology at booksofdiscovery.com, where you, the Thinking Practitioner listeners, can save 15% by entering Thinking at checkout. Thanks again.
1: And this is Till, and I am our in-house sponsor for this episode. I'm going to try to read this um, in the first person. It's written in the third person. You'll see what I mean. So I am the sponsor, and my group offers all kinds of learning opportunities from one-hour certificate courses to ongoing study groups. I want to highlight a live online course that we have coming up soon, our next training in the Principles of Advanced Myofascial Techniques series. We've been evolving as a group, uh, me and the faculty have been evolving this series for uh, the three years that we've been pushed online. And we've actually been online teaching the courses like Whitney for a couple of decades now. So this latest version of how we're working it, I think is really hitting the mark, hitting the perfect balance between learning at your own pace, getting personalized real-time interaction and support. And when you sign up, you get lifetime access to uh, all the recordings, they've been fully updated. It was a really fun project to go through and take some of the things we've been teaching for years and bring them into the modern era. Plus, you get a variety of choices for scheduling some live meetings with us as faculty as well. Super affordable for with discounts for ABMP members, AT subscribers, uh, in-person course repeaters, and lots of other discounts. Check it out in the show notes or on my site, advanced-trainings.com. All right. That wasn't so bad. I got to say, I'm still getting used to this idea of reading my own sponsor spot, but that, yeah. that was that was Maybe right.
0: I should read your sponsor spot for I you. I wonder.
1: Next, maybe next time. Hey, Till How is such you?
0: a great guy. Here's what he's doing here. Now. There you go.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. How are you doing, Whitney?
0: Doing very well. You're, and yourself today, it's a, a little uh, crazy on the schedule of things that are going on, but that's kind of par for the course usual. But uh, today, actually, I'm quite excited. We have two guests with us today, not just one, but two
1: Two guests. We have Drew Friedman from the Boston Body Worker. Welcome, Drew. Hey, everyone. How you guys doing? And we have Diane Matkowski from the Massage Mentor Institute. How are you doing, Diane? Hello, hello, hello. Hello. Good to have you here. So good to have you here. Good to be here with all of you. And <laughs> uh, they are
0: return guests. So uh, they oh, would yeah. like to have decided that we were at least uh, decent enough to have them come back again. So we didn't get blacklist from them so thank you all for being here
1: do you think that's like an ethically required disclaimer that we're recycling guests when we do that uh,
0: these may- guys yeah.
1: these guys are so uh such a depth of experience and knowledge and perspective though that i think we could just make a whole show about them yeah so i'm really glad to have both of you back
2: and well, what you know, don't know about that but- yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> this came out of a conversation you and i were having drew where you uh mess you put a message up hey i'm looking to hire some folks in your in your uh, clinic there and uh, we just started talking and it what you were saying about the the challenges you're having finding therapists really struck a chord and realized it's very topical and probably a lot of people dealing with the scenario you're facing from both sides of that equation for both from employ as employers like you are and as therapists like i know all of us are as well and I really wanted today to focus on the employer side of that question. I know there's a lot of different sides to it and a lot of mm-hmm. interesting wrinkles in this question, but I really wanted a chance to hear from you two as leaders in our field and as entrepreneurs and as employers, like what this is like right now to be running in a massage business and trying to hire people. What do you think? You said yes to my invitation. You still in?
2: I think so. I hope so. Oh. I'm in absolutely we're not gonna bail now we don't run now we got to do I mean, this right yeah, there's really nowhere to <laughs> go it's, it's, it's quite frankly it's too important not to talk about it. it's just uh-huh. it's it's a it's obviously as you saw just from your simple post that you put out yesterday asking the question it strikes it it struck a nerve on quite a few people and uh it was it's interesting the people who actually didn't comment on there because they're already so upset so i think uh I think we have a good topic of discussion for today.
1: Yeah, you're referring to a couple of Facebook questions. I just put the question out there. Hey, what would it take, uh, therapists, for you to answer an ad an employer put out and work for an employer? And I just wanted mm-hmm. to get a sense of what you guys are up against, really. And it gave us a good sense because we got a lot of uh replies all across the spectrum, some heated, some appreciative. Yeah. And I can as later on when we get to more details, I want to share some of the summaries of that, what we heard. But uh no, that's and I'll maybe in the show notes we'll put a link directly to some of those posts so people can go read them themselves if they want to.
2: I, I did my best to kind of filter through and read as many of them as I <clears throat> excuse me, as I could. And you know, you see some people who are just offended by the fact that they would never think about working for somebody, whereas other people, they're crushed that they they can't work for somebody and they have to do all the other legwork in terms of running their business. So it's, you can see from both sides of it, it, it's tough.
1: It is Mm -hmm. tough. Drew, before we get to Diane, can anything you want the audience to know about you and what you uh, do in the world, that kind of thing? Yeah.
2: I mean, I mean, just as a background, I've been doing this since, uh, well, 95, 96, I was an athletic trainer and then I rolled into massage therapy doing that and opened Boston body worker in 99 and, We've been running ever since then. And it's uh, it's been a challenge, like it's always been for most employers in the massage world. But you know, having a practice in the heart of Copley Square in Boston, obviously overheads a little bit different than it might be in middle America somewhere. Um, there's other issues that you have to come up against. But we've been doing it for 23 years now. And I have therapists yeah. that have been with me for 12 years. I have 10 years, seven years, eight years, and three months. Um, so it's not a question on our end sometimes of, you know, what kind of an employer am I? You know, do people want to work for me? Uh, you mm-hmm. know, some yes, some no, of course. Um, but it always comes down to the individual practitioner, I think, and what they're willing to put into their work and what they're willing to work for and those sort of things. But I think from my background, I've probably hired and seen people go, I don't want to say fired, but over three 400 employees over the last you know, 23 years or so. And it's, it's grueling. It is grueling to have some of these conversations with them um, because like you feel for them as a, as a therapist, Diane and I are also therapists too, obviously. So we, we understand the work that's put into doing a massage or doing seven to 10 in a day. So we have an appreciation for that side of it where I think a lot of employers may not understand why they say we need more time in between appointments or we need to make X like we get it, but, a lot of them don't have the other side of the equation. Whereas we have to manage, you know, seven to 20 different employees with their own personal schedules and stuff. And there's a lot of juggling that goes back and forth and you got to toggle that as they know toggle that between am my massage therapist or am I their boss or am I their friend? Am I their boss? Like it goes back and forth. So yeah. it's, it's a delicate yeah. dance, you know?
1: So the, the challenges of running a massage Enterprise massage business and how you have worked with that over the years from your identity as a therapist and a business owner and how the connection with the massage therapist is so important. And uh yet you're not finding people enough people to hire.
2: That's yeah, you know, Diane, I'll let you jump in there, but I just I think we we'll go into deeper in terms of what COVID yeah. did to all that and right. you know how that impacted any momentum that we might have even had pre-COVID, which because mm-hmm. we did have some good momentum. Mm-hmm. Um I think we'll get into that, but I'll let, I won't over-speak and
1: let Diane jump in. Diane, tell us what you'd like people to know about you and how you see all this.
3: Hello, my name's Diane. I'm the owner of Freedom Massage in Malvern. Uh, I've been in business for myself since 1996. Um, I have 11 therapists. Diane, can uh, you tell really us what Mal-
0: where Malvern is?
3: Malvern is outside the Philadelphia area. Okay, thank you. So, so i
0: pretty
3: those close not to Philly. Yeah. Um, we are hiring. Anyone listening? We are hiring, and we'll puts your, uh, <laughs> put your contact
1: information in the show notes. By the way, we
3: uh, we us, are us hiring. We're hiring too. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So I have uh, I have a staff of eleven therapists. I have an amazing manager who now runs the business for me. Her name's Eugenia. I do offer PTO. I do offer a four hundred one k plan. Paid I do time offer off. Four
1: hundred one k is like yep. retirement. Yeah. Uh huh.
3: Yep. Continuing education flexibility and schedule, and we do have the value of family first and the therapist body first. So for me, after being a therapist for so long, it was important to me. One of my things, one of my passions is the massage business used to be owned by massage therapists, and it was a, a different time. It was a peaceful time. And uh, so for me, I, I feel like uh just being like Drew was saying, we were we were massage therapists. We are massage therapists. So I really try to cater to the needs of the employee and the client. So for me, reading some of the stuff, I was, you know, I was like, I understand everything that everyone's saying on both sides. Uh you're
1: talking about reading the comments hope, in the Facebook posts. Yeah, yeah, on mm-hmm. Facebook.
3: But I hope that, you know, people will realize that they're our businesses, small businesses out there, some run by massage therapists who really love massage therapists and want them to do better. I want my staff to do better than I ever did.
2: Absolutely. That's my goal. (laughs) I want them to be better
3: in every way. I want them to be better body workers. I want them to make more money than I did. So I just think there is that out there too, but uh, maybe we're just harder to find.
1: Mm -hmm. So the issue the the issue is I'm clarifying it is you two have both tried really hard to offer the ideal place to work and as i understand it you don't have enough people working for you is it that simple
2: it's yeah it's kind of that simple in a sense i mean we the demand is there the supply is not i mean we literally turn down 20 to 30 clients a week a week because we don't have enough staffing huh. You know it's and it's not a matter of my therapist won't work they won't do enough massages it, it's it's just that it, we just can't hire enough therapists to fill in the holes we have enough we have enough room we have you know we have smaller space than we used to have um it's just we can't find therapists and then the, the other and this is going to be a touchy subject so i'll get right into it from the very beginning of it is a majority of the phone calls that we get for requests for appointments are for female therapists so as an employer looking for to hire When I put job postings out there, 90% of the people that respond are male therapists. I'm a male therapist. I understand how it's hard for us to do work, but I always like it is what it is. I mean, it's the one profession where I always say the men are discriminated against. So get over it, guys. Just work harder. But when you're looking to satisfy the demand, how do you specifically go out there and look for what's being demanded? You can't say or some people will say that you can't say. Looking for female therapists, looking for male therapists only, that's a tough one. And I, and I and I completely understand the back on that, but it just, how do you go around that and how do you not respond to male therapists who are genuinely out there looking for work? How do you screen other therapists that just because they're a, a, of the gender that you're looking to hire, they are more qualified immediately than the other gender? Like it doesn't, that's not how it works, right? That's far less I checked. It's just, it's a sensitive, slippery slope. And then it's experience. They're like, oh, like, I've been working as a massage therapist for six years now. Okay, that's decent experience for six years, right? Well, but the last three, you were in COVID, so you didn't touch anybody. So you've been working for three years, and the three years prior to COVID, you just got out of school, and you barely did more than three massages a week. So six years experience is really not legit. You see what I mean? So where somebody else might have just got out of school, you know, pre-COVID and was working right away and started doing all their massages. The next thing you know, they have nobody to work on for three years and they lost their momentum. So you're just trying to find that right fit and it's 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 daunting. It's daunting.
0: I'm a little curious about the timing here of this. Um, did you see these kinds of problems happening like in the last few years or is this predominantly a post-COVID phenomenon that you're seeing?
2: Uh, I, yeah, go ahead, Diane. after you, Drew. Go ahead. Uh, Well, what I was going to say is that I think I've always had issues with hiring, and I think part of it has to do with the way my business is put out there. You know, Whitney and you and I have talked over the years, we call it clinical massage versus orthopedic massage. We've always said clinical massage encompasses all the different techniques, but I think the way we've classified our site, our business, and the therapists that work for us, that a lot of therapists coming out of school feel intimidated to work for us they're not capable of working at that level just yet so they want more experience and that's not it's entirely not true they're completely capable they just need some coaching or whatever in terms of how we develop our treatment strategies in terms of at boston bodyworker but i think sometimes they feel like they're just they can't aspire to work there yet because they need more experience and if they're never getting that experience they're never really aspiring to get to work at our level here mm-hmm. and i've had i've had therapists i mean Whitney, you know salon she's been with me since 2012 okay i hired her out of bancroft because she just would not stop emailing me she would not leave me alone if she wanted a job and i was like my at the time i I had a minimum two years experience out of school and she just would not let it go and here she is 12 years later still on my on my team Mm -hmm. um and it's just the, the the therapists are out there they just the persistency i don't think is necessarily always there Mm-hmm. So I don't know what's not what's driving them or what's not driving them, but I think that's what we've always seen.
1: It's a endemic issue across the board, across not just in the U.S. It's across professions, it's across uh, countries where they're just it's hard to find enough people to fill the jobs that are available. I just saw this yesterday in the New York Times, so I thought I should mention it. Desperate for workers, Britain expands childcare as an incentive. The British government ramped up its efforts to get more people into work and make Britain an enticing investment destination as it announced Wednesday an expansion of free childcare, extended housing, energy subsidies, and bolstered business investment incentives. And, and the, the next story, next to it was more Britons decide to leave the workforce. So right Mm -hmm. next to that, it's like the British government is wrapping up its efforts to draw people into the workforce. And at the same time, even more people saying, yeah, I'm not going to do this.
2: And they're ripping down the work week around here, too, right? There's a whole petition for a four-hour work week now versus the the four-day work week versus five-day work week. Mm -hmm. So everybody wants to work less and make more. The American dream, right? Come on. (laughs) Where does that leave you
1: guys? Please go, Diane.
3: I just want to chime in a little and just say that in the beginning of my career as a business owner, I I had a wait list to get in for a job. I had no shortage of therapists. And I want to say that I started to notice this trend pre pandemic, dare I say, I really did, I started to notice that it was a little harder to get in. I used to always be invited to schools to talk um, as a small business owner. Uh, I was a wanted commodity. Uh, as a small business owner locally owned massage person and more and more as time went by, uh, you know the invitations from the schools got a little lessened or the, the buzz around my business. diffused a little I think because of the widespread of all these massage places going up everywhere, so the business really blew up uh, it, it, it more than doubled in size, and I think uh you know and also the mindset of massage therapists has shifted a little i think that has something to do with it too and it's not bad or good or anything it's just different so as an employer i feel like i've really had to adapt to some of those changes that mindset of this the people coming out and i've had to change the way that i go about finding people and also maybe what i thought was a great find in a massage therapist before is a little different now too so for me, what, it's so, kind of been a slow shift. What it's is been the, a, a slow shift.
1: Uh huh. What is that change in the mindset that you're describing? How would you describe it?
3: As far as what I look for.
1: The change you've seen in massage therapists uh, over the time that you've been able to adapt I feel to.
3: like. I feel like, and maybe I'm just a, a kumbaya old. 1996 massage therapist kind i don't know but it used to be a a really community-based kind of thing where we all kind of worked together more i felt like Uh, i worked with a group when i first got out of massage school and i loved it and then i worked by myself for about three years and i just looked out my window looking for the next massage client and i found that i didn't have anyone to run questions by i didn't have anyone to challenge me and push me and i was terribly lonely So that is why in all honesty, it wasn't, I didn't want to become a millionaire. (laughs) I like started my massage business because working by myself was unchallenging, lonely, and I really just didn't like it. So I really liked when I was introduced to massage, how it was a community affair. Like back in the Eslan days, it was like the Woodstock of massage. It might Mm -hmm. not be the professional that we look at now, So some of that for me is the shift where there's a lot more solo practitioners. AMTA just came out with a report that 70% of massage people are, you know, call themselves sole proprietors, which again is great. It's cool. Uh, But there's also a lot of benefits uh, behind being an employee. And Not every person is built to have their own practice. And I think people try to Mm -hmm. do that and then give up
1: and my impression is because that like they... three to four years ago that number was fewer i think it was 60 40 at some point i might be remembering that wrong but my impression is that it shifted toward more solo fewer
2: employees. do you do you think based upon what i've you know i'm i've got i've drifted away from social media quite a bit over the last three or four years um congratulations but a lot of the yeah well <laughs> a lot of the threads that i was following especially in the facebook groups massage therapist groups, a lot of infighting was going on there. Lots and lots. And I don't know if that still happens as much because, again, I don't follow like some of these different groups. But I just – it was getting very disheartening seeing the way therapists talk to other therapists mm-hmm. and 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 they treated each other. And I think that maybe that's a push towards being that sole proprietor, being like, you know what, I am my own island. I will work alone. But like Diane said, if you do it long enough and hard enough, that isolationism you feel – It's a social trap for yourself, too, because you're not being challenged. You don't have anybody to bounce different thoughts off of in terms of treatment strategies. You know, I consider myself fortunate to have people like yourselves at the other end of a computer that I could just text and ask questions to whenever I want to. And quite frankly, anybody who's out there listening, you can always text me or any of them. I'll speak for them because we love to help other therapists. And I think more therapists out there need to start recognizing that what you see on these social threads in these groups, the infighting that happens There's a lot of angry therapists and upset therapists out there, and that's where they tend to voice themselves. And like a lot of people said some pretty mean shit to me in the last two weeks when I put out some job postings, and Mm -hmm. I just pulled out my best Laura Allen hat and just said, bless your heart, and just Mm -hmm. moved on. Like, I don't want to get triggered by any of them because they're upset for their own reasons, but I think a lot of the infighting we see might be reflective of the sole proprietor numbers we see from the AMTA.
1: Maybe a connection there.
2: Yeah, I wonder right. too. Is
0: that you know, with with a lot of the things that we're seeing being written about, a, a, about broad trends across the social landscape here in this country, and maybe even somewhat worldwide as well, right now, just because of the extreme, you know, polarization in our in our society that we have. Like, just this may maybe this isn't something that's really unique to the massage profession. That's just culture wide. That there, a lot of just, it's hard to get along with people now, it seems like. In well, that's, I respects. think you're,
2: you're 100% right. Mm-hmm. We are. I mean, this is all, I like, think, listen, we all live in our little bubbles, right? Everybody lives in their bubbles and everybody thinks everybody else's bubbles is all messed up, but you don't have to look far to see the biases that, you're, that are around us and yeah. to immediately be impacted by them when you go on socially. And it, just having some awareness of that and some respect for other people's perspectives and just say, hey, I never considered that, mm-hmm. you know? i was i was frustrated 10 years ago and it's different than now yeah
3: can i just can i just say too and this is just a consideration i'm not saying it's right or wrong i don't really know what is right or wrong Uh, but you know like i said my whole thing for years has been the massage business used to be run by massage therapists now the person who owns the most massage chains in the country they own 75 establishments They are an equity based company that just kind of buys companies. So they're running 75, uh, you know, massage studios. So to me, that's interesting. So when you, when you leave, when you get the government involved and you get big business involved, it's going to shift the energy of things. I hate to say that. I think there's a good place for it. I think some of it's awesome. So many more people are getting massage. I could jump out of my skin with happy. Like right. people that never got massage, never heard of massage, thank God they're getting some kind of massage and hopefully they'll find the right fit. So thank God it's blown up like it has. But again, I just wonder if it's something so delicate, something so intimate, something so sacred to touch another person that it, I just don't know if it should be taken lightly. It's that secretness, I wish it would come back and get contained and scooped up. and. um. For me, that's the sad part after being in the business all these years is kind of watching that become secondary or sometimes even non-existent in our conversations or our work, Work, like the whole vibe of the whole thing, I guess you could say, so.
2: so I, I've seen like, when I was, I was in Copley for, you know, 22 years, I guess I was there and a Massage Envy opened up maybe, uh, I was probably, t- Uh, 2014 2013 it opened up right around the corner from us and everyone's like oh my god what are you going to do massage envy is going to crush you i was ecstatic that they opened up around the corner from us because they started putting up billboards and signs and there was people in government in the state government lobbying for massage therapy so they created a low barrier entry point for massage to become more mainstream which was a good thing i felt for my business and a lot of people flocked to my business once they learned we had a membership program before massage envy was doing membership programs and they just kind of eased into it. So they kind of created and trained our consumer for our practice, which was good, but they also created this model that says, if you're going to work for somebody that has a membership based business, you're going to get 15 to $22 an hour. And that's the, ex- that's what you're getting, you know, no time in between appointments, only going to do 50 minutes on 60 minutes. Like, no, it's, it's not that way. I mean, some, Obviously change are like that, but we still run sixty minute massages. I put fifteen to thirty minute buffers in between all my appointments. I make sure that my therapists have snacks on site and if not if somebody's running out to get food for them if they need something, like these guys are working their asses. We did it, Diane. We we know what it feels like to have like four minutes because the next client's waiting out there for you and you have no time to like eat a power bar. Like, but if somebody could change your sheets for you while you eat that power bar, that makes the difference <laughs> in the world.
3: That's my right, truth. Teach
2: it. Yeah, it's true. true. But, I, I guess, but I guess my <laughs> point is that so I want I an want massage therapist out there to know, like, if you want to work someplace, pick up the phone, call them, ask to talk to the owner, ask to talk to the hiring manager, say, tell me about this position. Don't feel like they need they need you there. Like, be empathetic both ways and communicate with them. And that, I mean, I'm telling you, you're going to talk to somebody like me and Diane that would love to have you if you're willing to work as hard as we work. Because I promise you, you probably never will, but I'd love I, to see you try. <laughs>
3: I, I have to jump in on one of those little things. One of those little things that you don't think of. I see you, Till. Hi, Till. Is to just having someone help you change your sheets. Like when you're back to back, one hour massage after one hour massage, you're kind of getting to the point where you're like, you're not sure what foots what. No matter how brilliant or strong or crafty you are you know, when you're seeing a lot of clients, it's like, it's, it's like a high pace. When you have another staff member help you change the sheets. My God, that's like a dream come true. We had in Copley, we had,
2: we had, we had seven treatment rooms in Copley. Okay. And we would be going all the time with them. Right. And my therapists were working, working, working. I would make it a habit about every 15 minutes to get up from my desk and walk down the hallways when I saw clients coming out, because I knew the next one's waiting. And I just grabbed their sheets. How's everything going? You doing okay, good, great. And I throw their stuff in the laundry. They, they, that saves them an extra 30 seconds from having to bring the laundry to the laundry room and to come back to change the sheets. Now they're just they're changing and they're right on to the next one. And whether I don't remember whether they said thank you or not, they probably did. But it's just appreciated because you're part of a team and that's how the team works together. Like it does, it's not, it's not a one to one thing like Diane was saying before. You get to work with a group of people and everybody's in it for the same reasons to make sure that the customer feels better. Right. And you want to be respected in the work in the in your work environment. I don't know. It's not rocket science, right?
1: <laughs> you guys have been in this doing this game for a while and you've learned what helps, what people, what your therapists want, what the customers want. I gotta say, what you're saying is validated by what I saw coming back in the Facebook strings too. Because mm. my specific what I was after was what makes a difference to therapists so we could bring it into this conversation. And one of the things that was mentioned. Uh, oh well, let me put it this way: there were. It wasn't just should I work for an employer or should I work for ourselves. That was a pretty clear divide, but it wasn't just that divide. Right of of the people that were into working for an employer, the divide was: should I work for a low paying employer or should I work for a high paying employer? Should I work if often for a chain or should I work for an independent shop? Was the divide there too? And there were lots of people coming and in defending, indep- working for an independent shop. What's interesting is I got a lot more private messages about that than I did about anything else. Those people weren't posting. That's, I don't know what that's about. I can. Only I don't know what that's
2: did. about. I saw that too. People but yeah. Are, yeah.
1: People are more private okay. about the fact they're happy with where they're working yeah. than they were about their complaints. Yeah. But when we when I dialed it down to get specific, like what are you happy with? I mean, changing the sheet sounds like a little thing, but one fun. of the <laughs> one of the things that was a theme that came out was competent support from the staff. A lot of people mentioned scheduling. A lot of people mentioned like dealing with uh client issues, you know, support around that. A lot of people mentioned just the competence of the staff in the place that they were working as being a major factor of why they liked working for an employer. So I mean you're you're naming some one of the high points. One no, of I think- my
3: one of my favorite things after all these years is dealing with clients that are quote unquote difficult. And And that is because I've been doing it for 25 years. And so I've I've learned how to kind of dance with it, almost enjoy it because I I believe that inside everyone, there's something good and I can find it and we can work out something so the client's happy. But a massage therapist who's fairly new and has seen three clients and still has one more uh, pick up the phone and have to deal with something like that, sometimes it's overwhelming and hard. And like, that's what I mean, not everyone's cut out for every aspect there is in being a good massage therapist and a business owner mm-hmm. and a scheduler. And, you know, when you're on your own, there's a lot of stuff that has to be done. So I could see where yeah. sometimes that would be a factor. The,
2: the, the other thing I noticed a lot on the, on the, those comments and I've obviously, and I've through interviews over the years, everyone's looking for the wage. How much are you going to pay me? Mm-hmm. Now, if I told you I was going to pay you $75 an hour, You'd be like, all right, cool. That sounds great. I want to work for seventy five dollars an hour. But then you came to work for the next week, and I got you three massages, right? But I but the down the street, they offered you a job for fifty dollars an hour and you're doing twenty massages a week. Who's making more money? So don't just take a job based upon who's going to give you the highest wage. There's there, and I think a lot of people go after or the session, the highest, the highest procession percentage. amount. Right. Yeah, and it's and it's not the way. I mean, there's other perks involved with that wage that make value to it, and one of them, and the most important one, is mm-hmm. can you put people on my table? Mm-hmm. Can you can you know because you can give me free free CES, you can offer me 401ks, you, you can offer me benefits package and paid time off, but I don't need paid time off if I'm not working when I'm on, you know. So mm-hmm. I you want to make sure that you can provide them with people on the table. Now, when I say to them, my job is to get people in the door, your job is to get them out the door. They're like, well, don't you want us to keep them here? I was like, of course, I want them to come back. I said, I don't want them to come back because they have to. I want them to come back because they need to. You want to help them feel better. You want to help them get past whatever their problem is. But if you can help them faster along by referring them to a PT or an acupuncturist or a chiropractor, and we can get some other people involved to help them get better, that's, that's good for me, too, because those people are going to come back because they know that they were cared for and looked after the right way when they first came in. And I just think that's all part of the process in explaining that to them.
1: Service, service, marketing service, uh, as of our mission in this profession, and we want the benefit to land for the client.
2: And not this, everybody is you know, a clinical therapist. Not everybody, you know, wants to work on specific injuries. Not everybody wants to work on, particular problem. Some people just want to give a kick ass relaxation massage and make somebody feel better. And I think that's awesome. But if that's not what the practice typically promotes out there, that's probably not the place for you to be working. So don't expect to do relaxation massage when you're working at a chiropractor's office or you're working, you know, for a place that's more orthopedic based. That's not what they're looking for. Go to a place where you can excel in what you what your sweet spot is. That's the other thing is a lot of people will just take, I'll take the first job that's offered to me. But if it's not going to make you happy, what's the point of taking the job?
1: Good advice. I want to go back to the money thing, because that was the most frequently mentioned factor. Uh, And there seemed to be, I know it's really variable locally too. And probably you could do a formula based on cost of housing or something where, I know like in some places in the country, the Bay Area, for example, or Seattle where my son lives, people typically pay half of their, Working people pay half their salary for their housing, and it's mm. not the same everywhere. And the wage there also obviously needs to be different. But uh, the happy ones, uh, people who are happy working for an employer, all mention the pay. The ones that were complaining about it all mention the pay. Everyone's mm. talking about the pay, mm. and you're right. It's a it's a complicated. Uh, it's not as simple as just how much you're getting per session. Mm-mm. Yeah, because no. and there was a lot of stories of people feeling a bait and switch thing going on with employers. They they said, oh, I'm going to make 80K a year. I'm going to make $80 a session, answering the ad and realizing it wasn't uh, what, what the reality was. And it was it's hard for me. Again, so it's hard for me to draw principles out of that, but something, here's the principle I'm stabbing at. 60, 70 bucks per session seemed to be the breakwater between the people who were saying they were happy with what they were doing and the people who were not happy with it.
0: Again, I know there's so many local uh, factors there. What do you think yeah. of that? So, just to clarify, Till, you're saying that's sixty dollars per session of take home for the therapist. Is that right? That's the number that was quoted. Okay. And I
2: do not. But take those the time numbers to are skewed because, because yeah. you don't know if those are employment numbers or independent contractor numbers. So, like mm-hmm. you know, I you know, I think obviously, Diane. Let's put it this, this way.
1: way. Let's put it this way. As an employer, I would say if you were coming to me as a consultant, and I've done a bunch of this, by the way, for small. Uh, clinics to help them with this very issue, I would say, make sure your your therapist can say to themselves, they're making 60 to $70 per session, whatever that math of that is. That mm-hmm. seems to be the what I'm seeing is the feedback coming this way. Mm-hmm. The people that are happy are saying they're making $60, $70 or more per session. And again, that's, there's a lot of variation there.
2: I would say the first thing is, uh, uh, any therapist or anybody going to find a job needs to do is how much do you need to earn to make a living? Yeah, because I've had therapists come and say they want to work and then they come back two weeks later and say, I need to be making more money. And I said, well, what changed in the last two weeks? Well, I have these bills, I have these bills and this is what I'm like, uh, I, I don't understand. Like they, they, if they, they want to work more, but they don't want to do more massages, they just want to make more money on the massages they're doing. And I just to me, that's not a conversation you have two weeks after you start a job, you know, when you've agreed on all the other terms of the job. So that to me uh, is a lack of professionalism in that regard.
3: I, I just want to point out to uh, what Drew said earlier, I kind of agree with him in that the 60 or 70 dollars is it's very we might hear that and that might be the check is written for that. But after all the numbers are done, uh, meaning time spent to answer the phones, I'm talking for an independent contractor or a, a sole proprietor. All the things that they have to do, like what is what is being covered outside of that sixty dollars sheets lotion, like I do sheets lotion. I do everything for staff. They don't pay for anything. And so, after that sixty dollars is taxed, and again, remember the sole proprietors are paying about seven point six five percent more. They're paying an un a self employment tax. Self employment tax. So if you're ten ninety nine, you're you're. You're, ta- you're paying a lot more in taxes so that number gets beaten down pretty hard pretty quick and then too if we come into another pandemic you're not going to get unemployment all my staff members sat wow. back on their couch eating popcorn and they had they had their unemployment during the pandemic you know yep. so for me there's like this safety net also what i'm also doing for you is you're getting money towards your uh social security i mean if you're i mean another thing like i hope when you're doing your stuff as a 1099 or an independent that you're you're doing your books correctly uh, because you know there is always a chance of an audit um so there's just so many factors that go into that 60 dollars. it's a lot of risk and i think drew and i are taking a lot of risk and i think that we deserve to make a little money too uh, so 60 70 i would need more facts to really have a fair discussion around what that means.
1: Yeah, I would. Right. I it would means.
3: even.
1: I'm gonna I actually. Want I'm to gonna take... go ahead and take. I'm gonna take that number off the table. I was looking <laughs> for indicators <laughs> to, that we could talk about, but no, you're you're so right that there's so many factors in that that those become red herrings almost, or things that we uh, think mean something and they don't. Because the most interesting answers were the ones from, say, the clinic owners who said, "Listen, I sat down with my therapist." Uh. Each therapist has to decide what's right for them. But this is this is a story from a woman in Oregon who's been in a lot of our classes. She said, when we did the compensation math together with my therapist, they actually make more money per hour working at our spa and have more free time than they would if they're working for themselves. And I, I've actually been through two different uh, consulting gigs where we did that with the therapist. We facilitated those conversations. And in each case, that was the uh, takeaway. That people had it's like, wow! Actually, you're paying me more than I realized. Even though you know, yeah,
3: you, know. you so I'm,
1: I'm sympathetic to that point of view. I, really I
2: you know, I don't know. I remember when the pandemic kind of hit us, and employee, basically, massage therapists who were either employees or contractors were scrambling to figure out how am I going to survive. And the ones that were employed by people like myself and Diane got to sit back and just understand, like, as long as they have an employer that's. You know, out there working for them to take care of this. They're going to get their unemployment stuff. They're going to be taken care of. And I was hoping that when we came out of the pandemic, that some of those people that thought being a sole proprietor would be like the ideal way for them, they were going to realize, mm-hmm. you know what, maybe it's safer to be employed by somebody because I have this kind of a protection with unemployment. And if a pandemic hits again and And I want to work for an employer that's going to take care of its employees like Boston Bodyworker did, like Freedom Massage did, like these kind of places. I want to work for one of those places so I know that I can continue to build my career without that thought in the back of my head of catastrophizing what's going to happen next. And Mm -hmm. let let the business owners focus on that stuff, you know, and And it didn't work that
3: way. I just want to say, too, I I do think there are some people out there that it works perfect for it, that make an amazing surprise. I mean, they're there's just built for it. They're made for it. They can juggle a lot of balls. They, uh, they like the freedom of being their own boss and kudos to you guys. Like, thank you so much for your service too. I'm not saying it's only my way, but there are a lot of people with families and other things going on that don't have the time to do all those things. And there is help. You can find good employers out there that are willing to, uh, Accommodate your lifestyle, uh, so that that's I think something that I just wanted to point out too. That go on with your bad selves out there with your own businesses. So
1: and no, not free, uh, the, you diet.
2: said risk before too, and the risk of the like we have we have liability insurance, we have our own you know insurance for the spaces that we're in. There's so much risk that an employer puts out there that I think when an employee comes in and says, "Oh, you guys charge one hundred thirty dollars for an hour massage, I should get at least sixty five because that's fifty percent, and that's where they're starting at." Like I wish math worked that easy in my world but I know post pandemic I'm paying back a, ha- a quarter of a billion uh quarter of a million dollars from a lease that I had to buy out of so I have expenses that are on top of my already existing expenses that accumulate that uh, it just it's not as simple as just pay me what I'm worth <laughs> you know mm-hmm.
1: there's a big discussion there around how do we each decide what the right number is from these different perspectives. And again, you can get a good view of them if you look through these threads. And there was quite a bit of sympathy for both sides of this quandary. People say, listen, I need to make so much and I understand the employers have expenses too. There was a lot of that. But I got to say from both sides too, employers ch- chiming in too, there's a lot of one sided like, hey, I just need to make 80% of what the employer is taking in. If they're not paying me that, they're exploiting me. There was those kind of more, that's the more extreme position say, Mm -hmm. but you fill in the 80% with whatever you want. It's, it's talking about it in the sense that I, it's true that you know what you need to make. Um, Maybe we're not always aware of what the needs are on the other side of that picture too. And that's some of the challenge here as well. This
2: has been going on. Like I've, I've had a conversation going on 12 years ago now, 13 years ago with my staff, we all sat down and i literally opened up my books my accounting books to them because they thought that i was basically gouging them for what they were what they were earning and we sat down we broke down what it costs my business to operate one massage and what and it basically came down to i was generating in in net revenue 5 dollars a service from all the work that was being done and they thought that was unbelievable and i'm like that's where it is right now because of the overhead that i have i said i chose to lease this space at this price and pay this much per square foot. That's my that's my deal. But this is the, what I can afford to pay based upon that. And they, it's not like I was undercutting them or underpaying them. They just didn't think that the, the 60% that might've been going to the business at that time was actually going to the business and instead I wasn't rolling around the cash on my bed at home. Like, mm-hmm. no, like I'm telling you, like I'm not even paying myself. This is what we're netting right now is $5 per massage. <laughs> But again, unless they can see your book, sometimes it's, a, it's, you know, it's just a conversation that's impossible to have, I think.
1: Well, I got to say every, like every conversation I've been a part of the way we're doing that, just kind of opening our, our concerns and our books to each other. There has been a more understanding, I'd say, of the cost involved in being an employer. Mm-hmm. Now there's also, you know, there's a societal conversation now, or what are the needs of workers? What do they need to feel uh, valued and what do they want? And I think you're both to the place, I'm going to predict this, where you're offering everything you know how to do and still not getting the response you need. Pretty much. You
2: know? Yeah. I mean, I'd mean, like to think I... there's more that I can do. I just don't know what that is yet. But uh-huh. yeah, I think we're. I think I'm trying to exhaust everything we can short of like there's, I know there's certain things that I could do with my, my staff that's here or training them to work with them individually. But if I'm doing that, that means I'm taking myself away from my business in other areas, where the business will be impacted to the point where it's not going to just impact that one therapist, but the other six or seven therapists. So I have to determine whether my time spent doing that one thing is valuable to all seven or eight of them versus just to the one of them. And when you don't do that, you look like well, you don't care about me i do care about you but i also care about the whole family and you know i'm not playing favorites here
1: yeah there's limitations to what drew can do what were you going to say diane
3: I like for me this has been a 20 20 year journey and uh you know there's been times where i've been a dreadful boss dreadful i wouldn't have wanted to work for me 20 years ago maybe and i've, I've learned a lot uh you know and uh i've done the best that i can do as a person i i do think that uh as to what uh drew was saying there's you know there's only so much that i i can do um uh, and i do feel like i've done as much as possible uh and i've lost my train of thought a little
2: that happens because this is a
3: very passionate <laughs> this is a very passionate thing yeah <laughs> yeah i get really into it but i feel like i like i said i don't know uh it's uh, it's ever-changing, and, and everything uh, in our industry has been changing. Uh, and, Let yeah, me, I've, Whitney, I've stepped up something. as much as I know how.
0: Yeah. Right. Whitney, go ahead. I had a question for, for both of you, too, uh, along these lines. And, you know, a lot of our discussion has been around the conversations that you have with new <coughs> potential employees, new people who might be potentially be coming in there and, and their needs and wants. But we've been hearing... A lot, not only within our profession, but across the board, too, about this sort of increased level of disengagement with employees and employers across the board. And I'm wondering, like, have you seen any of these attitudinal shifts that you're talking about here impacting your existing staff that you have in any way of like feeling less comfortable feeling less supported or feeling like i i want to just i don't want to work anymore those kinds of things that we hear about uh, across the across the spectrum
3: i think i think that that's where i was going and then i totally lost my train of thought because i got excited well i picked is, that up for you that, just
0: threw it back at you thank
3: you me. i appreciate you i appreciate you bringing me back <laughs> So when I was running the business initially, I was doing massage. I was doing everything. I was doing everything. And I was managing people. And I very quickly got burnt out. You know, I do think that in order for the staff to get the most out of uh, an employer uh, and a manager and support, the business has to be constructed almost like every other business so now I have a manager who takes care of the day-to-day I have uh, another therapist who takes care of my recruiting and my hiring you know I have someone who takes care of all my finances so I've had to learn how to to delegate and by delegating then I am a little more available for my staff my staff feels more love than they've ever felt because I was a little burnt out so I do think that it is important so for staff to know that they're appreciated, they're doing a good job, that uh, you know they're great with clients, we, we never stop loving up on our staff. And I, I do, I think there's nothing, I think, that feels better than hearing from your role model, your employer, your manager, that you're doing a great job. Uh, I, I find in this business, you really can't take your employees for granted because if they're not there massaging, you're kind of like, what are you gonna do? I mean, yeah. if they're not, I mean, you're just, you're out of it too. So I do think that there is a little bit of a disconnect and I see yeah. that, but I, I hope that it, it stops and there are After, ways.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. After money, learning was the most mentioned motivator for the people that would work for an employer or, or that would make a difference for them or worth happy with what they're doing. It was opportunities for learning. And sometimes it was like mentoring with a specific therapist who worked there. Sometimes it was like the CE benefit that people were getting or the culture of learning they were finding in the clinic. So we had, so
2: I I had different um, um, situations in place for therapists to either earn CEs or mentoring or do certain things. But what I found from them is that they would either say, that's not what I want to be learning. So can you teach me how to do X? In other words, this is what I want from you versus what Mm -hmm. I can offer to you. Mm -hmm. Or they would just, or they would come back and say, I want to do a CE um, course that I want you to pay for that has nothing to do with what I would service I would offer for you here. I'm like, well, that doesn't fit into what we're trying to provide here. So that's not, that wouldn't be included. And they would come back and say like, well, then I'm not getting what I want out of this. They're trying to basically use my, use my space as a platform to build their solo practice and i'm like that's not what this is for if you, i mean any therapist that works for me that wants to go on and do their own thing go right ahead i have no problem with that whatsoever but i don't expect to hire somebody who wants to come in for me to train them so they can go off and do whatever they want you know what i mean like that's- okay
1: drew can i can i push back a little bit please yeah what if you're a businessman let's say let's take it from that point of view isn't there an argument to say like this is just a negotiation and if this is what you need and I can give it to you, then I get what I need. So from that point of view with that therapist, isn't there an argument to say, yeah, you don't want to learn something that necessarily I see you practicing here, but if that keeps you here and keeps you happy, why not offer that for you?
2: Yeah. I, I think that would maybe be a one-off maybe just in terms of, because there's you know, what I'm referring to right now. My, my thought is this individual person or persons
1: uh-huh. who had
2: done several other things, that warranted that response. Okay, like What about not, okay?
1: all right, so you didn't have, you didn't feel very giving to this particular person, but what about that perspective? What about saying, thing. okay, if so they're willing to negotiate what they felt they needed? What about that perspective that just says, whatever it takes, I'm gonna make you wanna work here. And let's say, go. let's go to money. Let's say they say, you know, I can afford to pay you 60, 70 bucks an hour. They say, I need 80 yeah why not, why I mean, not just can, add ten dollars onto your cost because so i you can I, pay I, I, the, I, the therapist that much
2: because I, because I, I if diane hasn't done that already i've done that and i've already catered all into that and i just it doesn't work that way but diane's gonna die if she doesn't get the style out so let her have it
3: <laughs> <laughs> here's the thing that that is part of i believe my responsibility is to provide learning to the practitioners, because if they're not better than I was, then I'm, I, I know this is a big statement, but my manager is better than me. Uh-huh. She's a better massage therapist and she's a better manager. How did that happen? I gave her everything I had and she went with it and she added to it what she adds to it. And she is better than me. Eugenia, I'm saying it out loud to the entire listener crowd, you are better than I am as a therapist and as a manager. Right. In many ways. And that is the way I, I want it. And CEs, she teaches hands on to staff. She'll pull aside a Sunday. She's taking classes with all kinds of people. James Osowski, all in until soon to be you, Whitney. She's taking classes with you. She's everywhere. Right. And she sets aside the time on Sundays and whoever wants to show up can show up. Do they all show up? No, but that's not my problem. That's their problem. Right. I'm, I'm giving it to them. Also too, CEs, we have guest teachers come in. I have guest teachers come in and teach classes. Uh, does everyone love the teachers? No. Does everyone come to the classes? No, shame on them. You know, it's all I can do is my my best. I do think it's my responsibility as a business owner and as a boss to make sure that my therapists are better than me. And I get massages from them and I'm a little intimidated to go back on the floor now. Because <laughs> they're will- good.
2: I, will, I will They're say really this, good. When I, when Look, I I'm turning them,
3: red because I think yeah. they can massage, some of them can massage better than me, and that's that's the way I want it to be, yeah. you know. So,
2: when when I hire my staff, the conversation I usually ha- I have with them is that I work my job as the as the business owner is to not be their boss. My I, they are my boss in a sense. They work I work for my employees because they work for the Boston Bodyworker. I have systems in place that they basically follow the systems of the Boston body worker. That's who they work for. I work for them to make sure that they have the most success within that system. And they don't, they see it as like, oh, you're my boss. I am not. I like, as long as you follow the system and and you understand the the practice that we have in place there, that's who you work for. I My job is to help you navigate that and be successful within that system. It's not a matter of like, if you don't follow that system I'm going to be on the outside here saying, this is what you're doing wrong. This is what you're doing wrong. You're fired or you're, you know, you're going to get a raise. No, I'm working within that system to kind of help them to see where they have their strengths and weaknesses. But some of them, they'll come through and they just, they're like, well, I I don't really want to, like, I had Boston Bodyworker University where we'd be classrooms that we would talk about different techniques and different things. And some would be like, yeah, I'm really not into shoulder stuff. What what, what does that even mean? You know, how do so when somebody comes up and they have shoulder pain, we say, yeah, you know, Diane's not available today because she's not into shoulder stuff. You know, of course not. So the attitude is like, I really want to learn on how to work on plantar fasciitis. I don't want to work on shoulder stuff. Like, uh, (laughs) it's baffling sometimes. Well, back to okay, back to
1: my question for you, Drew. I love it. What what if you come in as a businessman, say you want plantar fascia? And if that's what it takes to keep you here, well, why not?
2: Why not? Because then you're stuck every day catering to that one employee who you want to make feel special and happy because they're not getting what they wanted. And next thing you know, you have seven other employees be like, we just did shoulder work three weeks ago. Why are we doing this again? Or we just did this. Or It's because this person needs some extra handholding. So everybody okay. else needs to fall into line with that. It's it, it's. Again, they the system is what the system is. If they want to learn more, I'm happy to do private stuff with I them. See. But if you know, and so then it's, if
1: you're so, if you're getting the results that you want with the system as it is, fantastic. If you're getting the if you're getting what you need with the system as it is, you got the system that you need. If you're not getting the results you need as an employer with the system you got, then maybe maybe the system is the question. Well, the system's, system's always right. changing.
2: I think the system's yeah. always changing. And the system's never 100. percent right you know what do you think it, it started, yeah.
3: i don't know just you know i've like i said I, I i've been at this for a long time and i haven't always done it elegantly and beautifully and uh but i will say this that one thing for me about the art of massage is every practitioner is so different even practitioners that practice the same modality even practitioners doing the same technique i don't know if two people do the same technique the same like so you can teach the technique but each person's kind of going to do it a little bit different no one's going to do it exactly like you so for me i just have found that i want people to find their strengths and run with them so there's mm-hmm. been some times you know where uh you know like staff has wanted to try something so we have some person we have uh, added the branch on for oncology massage do i i mean is that was that a part of my idea and my vision no but has it worked out magnificently fantastic at it and has molly now been with me for almost 10 years yes so to me yeah i did say molly if you want to check that out and it all it did was attract a different kind of clientele but we're booked out you can't get in with molly doing oncology so i did take some risk with accommodating staff i couldn't do everything there's certain things that i have a hard no to i don't need to get into that but all in all, I just, I think that the beauty of community is everyone has something to offer. Mm. And uh, I've just learned, I'm like a, I'm like a boss in the background. I'm, I've kind of decided like, I'm, I'm not your friend. Uh, I'm your ally. Uh, So for me, it's a little, I can make those I make those decisions pretty crisp and clear. So for me to a degree till I, I would say, and, and Drew, everyone has their own different feelings on things they have a little flexibility with what people bring to my office, I think has been helpful. I can't always yeah. give everybody exactly what they want, but I, I have benefited greatly by taking some of those risks.
2: Yeah, I, I will say this though as well. It does help as a business owner, if you have other underlings who are doing some of the other parts of the system. So if you have somebody else helping with your staffing needs, if you have somebody else helping with your education stuff and you can manage the business, sometimes those people that are having issues, they're never getting to you. They're getting to the underling saying, Hey, I don't want to work on shoulder stuff this week. I want to work on, you know, planner fame or whatever it might be. And that the underling can absolutely work that time. But if I have to take away from my time that I'm constructing for the rest of the business for that one individual person every single time, then I'm always in the, in the trenches, they're doing that stuff and I'm never managing my business. And then the m- business eventually fails. And that one person who probably isn't even with us anymore is moving on and the business is now underwater. So you have to kind of juggle what's not most, I don't want to say because they're less important, but prioritize how things are being done. And sometimes your priorities are going to be put above them because If there's no business to manage, there's nothing for them anyway. Here,
1: (laughs) I have so much sympathy for you as a manager, Drew. You manage a (laughs) lot. Hey, there's one more question I got in mind. And Whitney, uh, interrupt me or take it some other way if I'm going. If if it's too much, but what about the money? What? Why don't you just add ten bucks and give the therapist eighty bucks if they say that seventy is too little? Tell me about that.
0: Well, let me ask a clarification before they answer that question. So, are you saying? Yeah. that for one person or are you saying do that across the board for everybody that's
1: that's that would be a fairness issue you'd have to make some way that's fair but that's often the argument that comes with this i can't do it for x 70 let's say but i could do it for if it was y let's say it's 80 why not just add that much more onto your prices and pay your therapist Y? you
2: you just increased your you just increased your payroll by 15 percent so it's, the, the answer is, I'm sorry, the answer is never that simple, because yeah. I'm paying you $10 more, plus I'm paying payroll tax 11% more, and that number is not as simple as $10. Yeah. That's $10 multiplied by your 10 clients, that's $100, and seven other therapists, that's $700 a week. That's $2,800 a month just to make that $10 happy. Math okay. doesn't could, ca- calculate.
1: Could you raise it $15 no. then and, and pay 10 of it? Say hey, what? Can you raise the your rates to cover that cost too that's the question
2: what if if i raise my rates already and the only way to do that again supply and demand right like i have a therapist that is booked six seven months out and i keep wanting to raise his rates but he insists that he wants to work for this wage and doesn't want to charge his clients more than that wage and you know what i say good for you i'm all for it well the second part of that right
1: exactly as long as he's happy
2: with what he's doing i'm happy mm -hmm.
1: the second part of that question that i'm trying to get your views on, what about just charging more?
2: Sometimes you have to. Like, I raised my rates in September by 15%. That's a significant pay hike, but I hadn't raised my rates in five years. When I reached out to all my members about the rate change, I had two out of 200 that had an issue with it, and it really was a non-issue. So I think if because the, the alternative was this they go find another therapist somewhere else and they don't want to do that. And they know they're not, the therapist is not, it's not like the company raised the rates and the therapist is all getting paid the same kind of thing. Like there's things change in the business model that it works. And you know, you have a reputation. You've been around for 20 plus years. They trust that and that works for us, but we did raise the rates and change things. And it's, it's still never going to be enough for that one person.
3: I I would like to, so this is interesting, Drew, I adore you, and I'm learning more about your business. And we do have some similarities and we also have some differences because for me, I would never want to lose someone for ten dollars an hour. Uh, I I might be losing my mind by saying this on a podcast, you mm. know, but but most, most of my staff is happy with what they're making. And I always say, if you're not, well, at least give me the op- at least give me the opportunity yeah, if if you're going to go somewhere else to have a conversation, you know, absolutely 100 percent and it and, and is it fair to everyone? No, does everyone in my office get paid the same amount? N- no. So no. I don't know. So like I don't at think this about this, point, though, I'm not having a conversation lately, at this at this point in time, it mm-hmm. has the ball has been tossed from my hand to the employees hands a little bit. Right. Mm-hmm. So in this day and age, I've learned that I have to be a little more flexible. And my my pay scale has gone increased uh, yeah. a lot over the last few years. And uh, as has adding the PTO, as has now adding 401k. Like, I, I mean, I did benefit in some ways for a while there. And, and now those other businesses are upping the game as to what a good employer is. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's tapping in and I had to hire a manager and my God, you know, there's another thing. So it's, I, I've i had to spend money to um, keep people happy, uh, to keep staff happy, and then also to keep myself happy where I don't have all the responsibilities uh, in the office uh, so that I can manage things better, but that that's where I am. So well, I, would I, I, wanna, probably, I might not go 10, I might go five, you know, I would, well, just, he, so I would here's the thing. I, I'd be I go, to negotiate. Go 20,
2: how's that? I'll go $20 <laughs> an hour more. I'll give them $20 more. The question, so the question that you asked till was why not just give them $10 more, right? Well, and I'll raise
1: your rates to give them $10 more. Re,
2: regardless, either way, it doesn't matter. And okay. I think the answer is the infamous Whitney answer, which is, it depends. It really mm-hmm. has to depend because if you're saying universally across the board, I would say, no, I wouldn't do that. Okay. But if you're saying if a therapist has been with you for a year now and they're saying they need to earn more an hour and they're going to leave if they don't pay them $10 more an hour, uh-huh. that's a different conversation altogether, because I can look back at their numbers and see what they've earned.
3: I we can, agree with that.
2: And we, and yeah, and we can and we can then have that conversation. But if you're saying I'm sitting down to interview for a job and I'm saying I'm going to pay you 75 and you say, no, I want 85. Uh No, I'm not having that conversation just yet. If you can show me something based on incentives, I'll have that conversation. But if you're just saying you're worth more because you say so, I'm telling you, 23 years tells me exactly what you're worth because I don't just arbitrarily pull numbers out and say this is what I'm going to pay you. I pay people based upon what the business can afford and what their value is. And then I go from there. So. It's not as thank simple you. as just raise your give them ten dollars more so you don't lose them.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Drew.
3: Good points, well, Drew. Good points.
1: Yeah, no, thank you both. What do you think, Whitney? How are we doing? I what think
0: of- uh, it's never an easy answer, obviously, and uh, I, you know, for me, I was particularly interested in this just because I see this is this is not an isolated thing. I mean, I think I I think we're seeing a lot of these kinds of things impacting various aspects of our industry across the board. And it certainly was a, it's an angle that we haven't explored a lot. So I, I really appreciate both of you coming on and giving a lot of, um, of value and perspective to those, those parts of the puzzle as well.
2: I would, and I would just like to say that if people are out there looking for work, okay, there's, and I, and I like to believe there's a lot of massage therapists out there looking for work right now, pick up the phone or find the contact on their website and email the places you want to work start the conversation advocate for yourself i guarantee you the place you want to work wants to hear from you they do want to hear from you and they'll have the conversation if and if the conversation works out that you don't want to work there so be it but at least you checked it off the box and you don't sit there being like well i'm not going to call them because they'd never hire me or i'm not good enough to work there or i'm too good to work there like pick up the phone otherwise you're still not making anything because you're not working (laughs) Mm -hmm. So just have the conversation.
3: I I would like to say uh, thank you to all the massage therapists on the ground uh, working day in and day out with clients. Uh, I've done it, and I know it's not always easy. And, uh, you know, a lot of times I would hope there would be a band in the lobby waiting for me, playing music, saying how great a job (laughs) I did. And oftentimes that didn't happen. Uh, Oftentimes I didn't even know what the client thought, you know. but, uh, so thank you for all your hard work. And this is a, a tricky conversation. And I, and I would just like to say, say again, I am hiring and I am in the mis- area. It's freedommassage.com. Nice.
1: All right. <laughs> thank you both. No, so yeah, much And my
2: information is right there. Just go to bostonbodyworker.com.
1: Bostonbodyworker.com. <laughs> We're going to put both you guys in the show notes directly to your sites. And yeah, please do call these two amazing... Uh, leaders in our field these two therapists we're lucky to have you two and we're lucky to have all the people on the ground like you say and then everyone everywhere else working hard to try to find the balance between these different competing questions we and- love
2: what we do we're passionate about what we do and That's what it comes if, down Co- to. if covid didn't kick that passion out of me i don't know what the hell ever could because covid kicked my ass and i'm still hot and heavy for massage therapy and i I got another 10 15 years left in me I think. So,
3: you know what, you know what, I Drew, I would like to do too if if you mm. would join me in just thanking uh Whitney and Till for what they're doing with this oh. podcast. You, I mean, you guys are just kicking ass and taking names. I mean, you get so many views and you have so many interesting uh topics and guests and uh you're not afraid to push the you know, push a little bit. So, thank you for being brave and uh speaking your minds and bringing on great guests.
2: I'll actually take that another it's honored to another, be here. I I want to take that thank you to another level because I put this question on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) I put this question on Facebook at the beginning of the week. And like, I would say minutes later, maybe it was an hour or two later, Till chimed in, picked up the phone. We had a conversation and we started talking about just this because he gets it. He's met me enough times. We know enough about each other to know like we both love this field and we genuinely are concerned for both sides of it, employers and employees. And we want to figure out what the answers are. I mean, we don't know what the answers are. I certainly don't think I have all the answers. Diane doesn't. Whitney doesn't. And I don't think anybody on Facebook has them either. But we have to have the conversation. Mm -hmm. We have to have sometimes conversations that are hard and difficult and make us uncomfortable. But that's where the answers are usually found, right? So
3: continue. Thank
2: you guys so much for this platform. Thank you guys so much for what you've been doing for the last 25, 30 years. Because we've known each other that long in regard. And I just, yeah. And to those out there listening to this podcast, trust me, there's a lot more people like Till and Whitney and Diane that are out there that are just as passionate as you are. Pick up the phone, shoot them an email. They're there to help. Awesome.
3: FreedomMassage.com. You, yeah. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> All right. Thank you, dude. <laughs> feeling the love. The Thinking Practitioner podcast is supported by ABMP Associated Bodywork and Massage Professionals. ABMP membership gives professional practitioners like you a package including individual liability insurance, free continuing education and quick reference apps, online scheduling and payments with PocketSuite and much more.
0: And ABMP CE Courses podcast and the Massage and Bodywork magazine Always feature expert voices and new perspectives in the profession, like my partner Till here and myself. Thinking practitioner listeners can save on joining ABMP at abmp.com forward slash thinking. So we would like to say thank you to all of our uh, listeners who's hung uh, hung out with us here uh, on this episode. Thanks again to all of our sponsors. You can stop by our sites for uh, video, show notes, transcripts, and any extras. You can find that uh, links over on my site at academyofclinicalmassage.com. And Till, where can they find that with you? I am at advancedtrainings.com. All right. So questions or things you'd like to ask us, you can hear us talk about email us at info at Or you can look for us on social media under our names. Uh, My name is currently Whitney Lowe on social media. Until yours. Still till Luca. Rate us.
1: Please rate us on Apple Podcasts. That really does help people find the show and it helps us stay visible so that people will listen. And you can also hear us on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you listen. Please do share the word, tell a friend. It's just great to have you in the audience and uh, take care. Thanks, Whitney. See you again next time. All
0: righty.